Elevate your knowledge, ignite your curiosity, and compete with the best minds at events hosted by the American Academic Competition Institute. AACI's sports medicine competitions feature practical exercises, challenging quizzes, specialty tests, and keynote speakers that foster knowledge and social engagement in healthcare and sports medicine. Go to aacitest.org for more information on upcoming regional and national competitions. Sign up for the Ultimate Intellectual Showdown. Welcome to Wrap It Up Sports Medicine and More, the podcast that gives you a viewpoint on sports medicine that can't be found anywhere else. I'm your host, Eli Halleck, and we have a fantastic show ahead of us today. So let's get started. Today, we have three guests, George Torres, Victoria Tori Kelly, and Victoria Chavez. Welcome, everybody. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, Eli. Thanks for coming, guys. We really appreciate it. So today, our episode is all about young professionals. Uh, That was a long time ago for me and uh, uh, several others that might actually be listening. So we would love to get your side of what's going on in healthcare in your eyes through your reactions and what you've dealt with over the last year to three. So maybe starting with Tori, if you don't mind telling us uh, what you're doing, where you came from, where you're at now. I'm currently working at Taft Charter High School, um, a school in Woodland Hills, and I'm hired through Providence Hospital. So they outreached me there and I'm a part of a team of, I believe, eight others from LAUSD schools. And then two of us are hired through Providence at LAUSD. So I work with them and I started February 2023, so it's been about a year now. It's been a lot of experience going straight from graduating in 2022 at Cal State Northridge. In then I went to Milken Community School, so I was there at a private school. So I've never like worked full time at a private school. I mean, I've interned with Eli at St. Francis, so that was an experience. But then getting a whole nother side of like seeing a private Jewish school was um, great. And then getting to experience eight-man football too. That was, that's quite interesting. If people don't know that experience, I would try to get that because it's pretty fun. Very cool. How about you, George? Yeah, so uh, I graduated 2022 from uh, Laverne and I went straight into, uh, have you guys heard of uh, Jim Clover? Of course. There you have Eli. He kind of just, uh, Took a chance with me because uh, he needed somebody to start July 1st. And uh, my uh, BOC results didn't come out until June 27th. So oh, that's had, scary. That's yeah, scary. So a little nerve wracking. Exactly. Right. I had to lock down a, uh, an apartment and sign all the, uh, you know, everything for, for Jim Clover and move out to Palm Springs um, July 1st and basically just start right then and there. Uh, so it all worked out. And I was there for about a year, uh, and then I got hired at Claremont High School. So I'm there at Claremont High School right now, full-time through the district, so that's nice. And I also do part-time uh, teaching at Whittier High School. I do a CTE, uh, sports medicine. During the fall, I do uh, Long Beach City College. I work for football. So what's been cool about this year is I'm working with a lot of MSAT students from Long Beach State and Laverne. So being a recent grad and seeing those going through the program first year and second years is kind of like, uh, it's kind of like I see myself in them, right? And I can see their, uh, how they struggle and how they feel throughout the, the, the program and, you know, just helping them or guiding them like to explain to them how I felt during my time there it's good like it feels it feels good like good reflection very cool and what about you miss victoria hi well i graduated in 2023 so not too long ago right out of it i got a call from eli asking if i wanted to work per diem for saint francis and i've been there since it's been a few months but kind of jumping on what george said about 
the interns. I know St. Francis has a thing with CSUN students. And we are, a, a lot we of are them, all preceptors and we are a clinical site, yeah. correct? Yes. So that's been new just because I'm fresh out of school and some of them are in their first year, their second year. And I can definitely relate with them on how they're feeling, what they're experiencing. And it's kind of a reminder of where I started and then where I am. It's been, it's been an experience so far and I'm loving it. So then correct me if I'm wrong, uh, George and Tori, about a year now certified. Is that correct? Two years, pardon me, two years, two years on Victoria. And you can speak, you can unmute yeah. yourself. Yeah, Please do. Like, two so, years. Yeah. Two years now. Congratulations. Oh it does awesome. not feel like two years. It goes by pretty quick, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I literally just was sitting here this morning as I was prepping for this and found, and it blows me away. This is my 25 year pin for the NATA. Wow. Um, I want to hear something funny. And I know two of you can totally laugh. They accidentally sent many of us instead of 25, they doubled it and sent us our 50. So I, I don't know if they're saying I'm going to last that long. That's kind of cool. But uh, yeah, so I have my 50 and my 25th on my 25th. But it goes by like that, so I can relate. Victoria, we're looking just under a year now, correct? Yeah, I think I'm at 10 months. Time flies, so enjoy it while you can. So we have, correct me if I'm wrong again, George, uh, master's degree? Yeah. yeah. And Victoria, master's. And then Tori, you were the last bachelor's program out of Cal State Northridge, correct? Yep, very last. So you saved a ton of money. I got Congratulations. pretty lucky. Congratulations. I'm not twisting the knife on you, George or Victoria, but uh, Tori, <laughs> thumbs up. Hey, no debt right now is pretty nice. Yeah, it is. We won't go about talking debt. I don't want you guys I crying. Know, I know. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I, I'm, I, actually, I'm actually able to defer my loans right now because I'm going back to school for EDD. So Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll circle back to the EDD. So uh, let me start with Tori. How prepared were you for the real, I don't want to say real world, but the real world of athletic training out of college? I was prepared, but not prepared, if that makes sense. It does. I, I think like all three of I us. I had all the right ideas. I felt like, of course, during my internships in school, like you didn't get everything and you just had to go out there and then do it. A lot of things I felt really scared for. And in the moment, I could do them if that makes sense. Like once they started coming to me, like, oh, like either my first, you know, huge fracture by myself on the football team, like you just do it. You can think about these things all the time, which with someone who has anxiety, but is also working in athletic training, you just got to stop thinking and go do it. And luckily, I think a lot of times like adrenaline takes over, especially like emergency situations, you know what to do. So that helps a lot. You've been trained and it just kind of, you take in the moment and go, oh my God, is this really happening? Mm -hmm. And there's just a click. Is that what you're saying? And you just- Yeah, there was definitely a click. Autopilot, do what you were trained, get it done. And then after the fact, how did, how did you feel? What transpired at that point? Definitely like, you know, the high of the adrenaline and then like it going down and you're just like, oh, like that really just happened. But you definitely reassess in your own head what things went right, when things went wrong and like how to readjust. And I see George nodding up and down. Is it kind of the same scenario for you or, or what do you think, George? Yeah, like the whole uh, zoning in, um, like when I had my first big injury, I just narrowed down and I was just moving until at the end, I, once the athlete was taken at the end, I had to still watch the other half of football. And I was just standing there, like just reflecting back on, okay, what could I have done better? But yeah, kind of like what uh, Tori was saying, it's like the anxiety of <clears throat> just going through that and then just having to relax after. It's like, how do you do that? You totally. know, like hard to debrief when you move into a position where it's just you. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, to have the principal was a former athletic trainer. So I uh, was able to talk with him and kind of just be like, okay, have you felt this before? And he just, you know, kind of just reassured me and everything like that. So that was, that was better. That was and what's, thing. what school was that? Palm Springs. Palm Springs Michael, Palm Springs. Michael Ventura. Yeah. yeah. Good, fr so, good friend, good colleague, great athletic trainer. Yeah, it's been fun yeah, to watch him uh, go up to the principal realm. Yeah, that he's kind of like one of the persons that guided me to uh, do the EDD because I saw him 
Right, because he moved up as a teacher and athletic trainer and moved up to admin and now he's a principal and I'm sure he's going to move into district one of these days. So it's, there's a path that you could take. Definitely. Now, Victoria, you have kind of a different setup, almost like the one that George was talking about earlier. You have uh, um, some people to lean on, but at the same time, those people uh, throw you out in the middle of the jungle or middle of the desert on your own several times a week. And yeah. how, how are you feeling there? How's it, how do you feel prepared? Well, it was interesting in the beginning. Like I said, I was with you guys for a year, a little over a year as a student. And yep. <laughs> and so when I came on as a certified, I had to break through that. Hey, I'm not a student anymore. I can also call shots. But respectfully, of course, you know, when I started doing games independently, and it was on me, it was kind of an anxious feeling of okay can't mess up just do what you've been trained to do especially with the high school kids having you guys to lean on has been great but in the instances where it is just me there is a little anxiety of okay did I do that right what could I have done what could I have told the parents I think parents has been the parents have been the biggest aspect for me is how to talk to them what to tell them am I telling them too much am I telling them not enough are they even understanding it's been interesting each time I've done it it's, it's gotten easier and easier then again there's still a lot to learn I'm still pretty fresh out I think that was probably one of the more scary moments in my career when I realized it was on me which I kind of liked I mean I'll, I'll admit it I, it was I was stoked when that happened but at the same time then after having to sit down and explain to a parent, that's one thing I know I didn't feel prepared for. Now, I can speak with Victoria and Tori a little bit because you both uh, were, we were preceptors for both of you on our site. George, I can't say so much for you, but um, how prepared were you for that, George, to talk to parents and explain to them what's going on with, you know, their baby, their, their little boy, their little girl. That moment as a parent, I'm, I can tell you for certain, you don't see them as a teen. You don't see them as an 18-year-old. They're, they're, they've got the little ponytails and they're your baby and somebody's caring for them. How were you prepared for that? I don't think I was at all. I, I'm not really good at emotions. So like when somebody's crying, you know, it's hard for me to calm them down. But even with parents, like when they get emotional and I have to speak with them and let them know that their child is okay and things are going to be okay. That's, that was tough. That was tough. Um, especially my first year, I've gotten better at it right now at Claremont. There's a part-time who was the full-time for about six years. His name's Jonathan Snap. Uh, he's so, he's so good at talking to parents and talking to kids and just being around that and watching that, I think it started probably in the winter time where I was talking to a kid and I felt like I sounded like snap. So I was like, okay, it's 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 coming, it's 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 getting there. Because again, that was my my weak point is how to show emotion to these kids and and then also how can I explain to the parents what's going on and in a professional way, even though they're pissed. They, they just, you know, there's, there's a way around it. You just, you just, you go. And so, uh, like I said, I, I realize now that it's getting a little better, but that was for sure my weak point. Tori, you're out there on an Island to yourself, Taft high school, LA unified slash charter. Um, the buck stops with you. So when discussing stuff with parents, I know it was a little different when you were at St. Francis with us. Um, because it was a different time, and we'll get into that a little later. Interacting with the parents wasn't something we did often. I presume you have mentors or other people you can call and ask for help. How do you lean on people when you're on an island to yourself? And how do you deal with those parents? I've had my fair share of bad parents already. And I'm not going to lie, Eli, when I was interning with you, the best thing you ever told me was what you said earlier was, that's their baby. You can't take it personally whenever a parent's going to yell at you. Sometimes I get, I'll get flustered for sure. If like someone's yelling at you, you're going to get flustered. Oh yes, but I still do. Yeah, you like you just have to think like they're upset for a reason and it's either it is because of you or it's not. I've been yelled at from not accepting medical notes before 
And I mean, that's a perfectly acceptable reason. Sometimes doctor notes aren't the greatest. As far as being on an island for myself, I've just had to rely on every single resources I've had. I still like, I'll probably reach out to you a few more times in my career, Eli. <laughs> Everyone that anytime. like, either always for... reach out anytime. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> um, like my past, um, co-worker at Milken, like I've reached out to her for a lot of things. Cause I, if it feels nice to have, when you say daughter, her, who is her? It's Madar Bezalel. I love her so much. She definitely hits it from the side of like, I know what you felt and like reassures me a lot and will be like, hey, just do this, this and this. You don't need to overthink it a lot of times. So hitting up people like that, don't be afraid to do it because it it helps a lot. It's helped me get through it. That's good. That's good. Yeah, please shout out to your mentors on this because <laughs> we we don't know if we did something right or wrong. Although, you know, we've had some very vocal, uh, uh, we've, as a preceptor, very vocal interns in the past. And you know what? They've they've helped us stay in check, which is good. That's how you get better, being called out. Uh, no comments, please, uh, Victoria. New question. We're going to go to uh, Victoria. What strategies at this point do you use to maintain a healthy work-life balance in such a demanding field as athletic training sports medicine? Well, I think right now it's actually kind of easy for me. I'm not full-time. I'm pretty, I'm sorry, I work, <laughs> uh-huh. I work, you know, three days a week at least, um, more if you guys need it. But, and, so and that's because you're part-time per diem, correct? Yes. Okay. I'm part-time per diem. So at least- How many hours days. a week are you averaging right now? Right now, 15 to 20 on the low end, but it's been pretty busy recently. So it's kind of gone up. But yeah, so as of right now, it's fairly easy to take time for myself and not be too stressed out. But then again, I also have two coworkers, Eli Halleck and Joel Dorning, to lean on. I wouldn't say that I'm struggling or have an issue. I think if I was full-time, that's where things would kind of get a little hectic. George, spinning off of what she just said, dealing with a full-time position, how do you do that? Yeah, so I think working in the secondary setting, it's a little easier because you get two months off, right? You get uh, or half of June and most of July, and then you start again in August. So really, you go from doing, or you, in the fall, you go 100 miles an hour, right, doing football. Um, and in my case, I was doing high school and junior college to kind of slowing down to just doing basketball and soccer and it slows down a little bit just little more time out onto the field but still you're getting out earlier and it's Monday through Friday and then now I'm towards the spring like I'm probably getting out at 5 30 every day so it's when it, I start at 8 30 so it's a little it's a little better start slowing down until I get to uh the summer where I get to enjoy that time off after doing everything but I really just do I, I use the weekends for for myself again I try not to take on too much extra especially on Saturdays and never on Sundays so that kind of helps going from like Monday through Friday and then just relaxing and taking that time for myself until I get to the summer where I get to have full days off you know what I mean so then let me just check because I know several athletic trainers at the high school level have different contracts so you are based at a 10, 10 month contract? Yeah, for a 10 month for athletic training and then 11 month for teaching. Okay, got it. Tori, you're contrasted from George or uh, Victoria because you work with a clinic. So you are what, 40 hours a week, 12 yeah. month contract? Um, what are you? I'm actually full-time 40 hours a week. So I'm salaried which is a little bit different than other high schoolers or high schools. It's nice because when I signed on, I was like fully expected to work, you know, eight hours a day because it said 40 hours. Upon like two weeks before I started, when I contacted the school, I contacted their AD. My supervisor set me up with everyone I needed to talk to. They were like, hey, you know, you're only coming in at 2 p.m. And I was like, oh, okay. So... It was kind of a weird shift because when I was at um, Milken Community, I was there all day. I was there from like 9 or 10 a.m. to like 7 or 8 or whenever we were, if we were done early. 
Me too. That's exactly what I do. I, I feel your pain on that one. Were you uh, expected to take care of not just student athletes, but the whole student body when you were there early or how was that? For Milken, all the athletes, it they had a weird schedule because it was a private school. A lot of times third period, kids would just not have a period, if that made sense. Like it was like their like homeroom or study session. So they could just come into the athletic training room whenever they wanted. And then the school I'm at now, I can only go in during sixth period because that's their sport period. So they yeah. can't see me anytime earlier than that. And what time does that period start? 2.30. So I go in at two and just set everything up. Get everything ready. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And games will usually start earliest, 1.30, um, 2.30. And then like pretty much every day, it's like a 3.30 game or Depending on the season and yeah. who's playing where and yeah. what's going on. Got it. Yeah. And and I feel your pain with the uh, salary. I understand that. Doesn't matter how many hours you work, you work for better or worse. It's pros or cons. Like it's, it's nice having my mornings. It's sometimes hard to explain to people because they're like, well, what do you do all day? And I'm like, uh... You know, <laughs> don't mind me while I'm running in the morning when I don't have time later because I, whenever I'm in work, I, I can't document until later. You're always up. And we probably shouldn't let HR hear that last comment, but we'll just, uh, we'll make sure HR department doesn't listen to that part for you. Okay. We'll make sure Providence stays off of this. So, yeah. no problem. I got you covered. I mean, it's true. It's true. Try, oh, no, I, I, I feel your pain. I mean, charting healthcare professionals in general charting i mean it's it's difficult time consuming sure it really is so you guys have been out a year the three of you've been out uh, a year to two years excuse me a year to almost three and you've come across some challenging situations i'm sure and had to be the one that stepped up and took care of it uh can you share a challenging situation you've encountered in your career and how you successfully navigated it. Whoever would like to go? I can go. Go for it. I want to say something that I wasn't prepared for as far as like internships is like how to talk to your coworkers. And there was a situation where one of the admins, it, this was pretty fairly on at the new school that I was at. It was five months into me being there. I found out that one of the administrators was doing something that they should not be as far as like documentation, like they were accepting medical notes and telling the student athletes what to do. Hmm. So that was pretty interesting. And I had to pretty much ask my resources again, like, hey, what do I do? So I had to figure that out. I had to email a lot and also just document that email chain because obviously everything can come back to you oh yeah those you situations you have to yeah document 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 yeah so i you know was talking to my supervisors um asking people how to help i sent out an email basically stating hey this is going on i'm not trying to you know start a fight or anything but i want people to know that these decisions are being made not by me and it came back to where my supervisor had a talk with that person. They became very angry and decided to talk to me in person. And you know what? I just had to respectfully be like, hey, whatever. I'm not trying to start a fight and de-escalate it as best I could. But that was a challenge that I was not prepared for. De-escalation of a uh, harsh confrontation that's difficult at any age yeah uh at any point in your career i i can only imagine so i'm sure you did a great job de-escalating probably better than i would have so uh i i i tip my hat to you on that one and victoria victoria is laughing at me with that comment i can't understand why but uh with that we're gonna put her on the spot and ask her um how do you ensure that people in the training room, sports medicine facility, athletic training clinic, whatever the NATA and everybody wants us to call it nowadays, how do you make sure that there is appropriate care for the patient going on in the training room at all times? How can you focus and make sure that everyone's being taken care of in a proper manner? Ooh. Sometimes that's hard when the clinic gets 
flooded with students and it's really a uh now, when you say triage. clinic, what it, what are you what are you referring to? I'm referring to the athletic training facility, our clinic where the kids come in and get treatment. Or for those people, like uh, we're going to pick on my sister because you know I've been with her forever and I love picking on her. So, say Angela comes into my clinic and looks around and goes, "Oh my God, this looks like a doctor's office with a physical therapy component to it, with rehab equipment." And this is at a high school. So when we say clinic or athletic training facility for somebody that doesn't know, I mean, they're walking in, in many cases, to a, a respectable medical facility. Not always. I mean, I, I remember my first one. It was more of a closet. I'll show you a picture sometimes. It's kind of scary what we came from to where we are now. But at the same time, a lot of people don't understand that we are doing healthcare at a high school. Now, I digress and I'll go back, go for it. Yeah, so I mean, when it gets flooded, all the kids are coming in. It's really a, hey, what are we doing? What are you on? Do we have a timer? Do we have this? And sometimes you get kids where they're too afraid to speak up on what they're feeling because they're like, oh, I don't want them to pull me out of practice or I don't want to interrupt because they're busy. And making sure you're keeping an eye on those kids and asking them, hey, what's going on? Or, are you at like are you in pain like let me take a look let me check it out so and it really is a back and forth because sometimes they're not going to tell you on the first try you'll have to try again maybe ask them in a different way making sure that you check in with everyone even if you already saw them checking in again hey how are we doing have we gotten to where we need to be what's your next step and tending to them as needed and i see george nodding like he's 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 right there with you yeah, I mean, prioritizing like who came in first, like who has the worst injury, who's in season like that. Those are all things that are that you look at first before you focus specifically on one person. Right. But uh, something that Mike Landis um, taught me is what can you teach them to so they could do something on their own? Because you can't you can't work with them the whole time. You can't do manual therapy the whole time. So what can you do as much as we might want to and like to and for my sister, again, manual therapy is when we're actually putting hands on that patient and doing some special, special rehab, special treatment that you can't just do with a machine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I I learned to teach the kids on foam rolling, things like that. They could do on their own, uh, whereas we could see a progression um, but it's also, it also helps to have other people in the athletic training room with you, you know, so they can work with whoever they need to work with. Sometimes use the outside and make sure that they're going through their rehab with somebody else too. So having them pair up so they could work with or keep each other accountable. But yeah, it's just, it's just understanding like who has priority at that time. I feel like. Also off that one really quick. Once you've given them the tool to be independent, still checking in. Because especially at an all-boys high school, you can give them the tool, but if they do it correctly, on them. Sometimes I look over and it's like, what are you actually trying to do? Oh, I'm trying to stretch this. Like, you taught. Okay, that is completely off. No worries. Let's revisit that. (laughs) As a teacher and a clinician, I see that on uh both ends is uh and i'm sure george agrees with that part not just teaching in the classroom but teaching in the clinic yeah they they mess it up a little bit and you got to go back just like victoria said and no no sorry young man young woman this is this is how it's properly done now victoria you've been intern you interned for a year at saint francis just coincidentally that was kind of uh just how it rolled out and then you went job hunting Uh, As a young professional, how hard or how stressful was it for all three of you? And we'll start with Victoria. Looking out there and trying to find a position that would work for you. It was definitely difficult because a lot of them wanted experience. A number of them were two years experience. And I also was looking out of state. So I wasn't just looking in California. I was looking in another state. So then you had to look at different, you know, what did they require? Was it registration or licensure? And if you would have went out of state, would you have had to sit for those boards at that time for state licensure? 
Yeah, one of the the state I was looking at, luckily I didn't have to, but I had to go through a full process of registering and proving my certification. The experience that they were asking for, and it's difficult because you're trying to apply to a job, you're trying to get experience, but they want experience. And all the experience I have was from clinical sites during grad school. And then as a fresh out of school professional, I know I did come to Eli and Joel once there was a situation or an opportunity to work for a traveling basketball tournament not knowing what to look for when it came to the job not knowing what questions to ask you know I'm a doe-eyed professional like okay this is my first job I'm so excited and Eli and Joel are standing there nope 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 let's back it up have you asked this red flag red flag warning warning (laughs) Warning, Will Robinson. Warning, warning. Sorry, that's for the really old listener right there. The warning, Will Robinson. It's hard because you are optimistic, but then you don't know what to ask. So it's kind of how it went. Tori, out the gate, you went straight to a high school and you've been at a couple high schools now. Um, But what was the process for you? I don't know if there was much of a process other than, you know, really job hunting. I definitely feel like the schools I interned for, you make those connections and they also have connections. So a lot of people, you know, will be like, hey, like if they hear of job opportunities, they'll relay it to you and they'll be like, hey, you want to apply for this? Like you could. And it's just a lot of there's constant opportunities, which is nice. But also being in California, you know, with us not being licensed, it's difficult to not find a job that's like they're lowballing you very true and we were all kind of nodding our heads i saw george and victoria even myself connections yeah Yeah. in any profession it's kind of funny how it works your your internship will help you find that potential position or at least hey you know we heard about this are you interested and go for it we're willing to help and that's a big part of our profession i think and it sounds like george probably had a similar experience yeah for the Palm Springs job offer, it was basically my preceptor, uh, Faith Villanueva, she graduated from Palm Springs High School. and She did the whole uh, Palm program that I'm sure you have been around. Um, so Great she, people, great program, definitely. She uh, messaged uh, Ventura. And so when I went uh, to the site, they were just showing me everything. And they already had an understanding of who I am and what I can, what I'm capable of. And then, so after that year, I wanted to move back to LA, come back. I asked my preceptor and mentor, Jonathan Snap, for a letter of rec, but immediately he called me and he's like, hey, I'm moving on to uh, full-time teaching, so I'm going to step away from athletic training. Do you want this job? And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. So it was that too. Like Going into uh, Claremont, I also knew the uh, principal and uh, AD, so it was it was a pretty smooth transition going into there because I uh, subs- I uh, worked for the district. I was substitute teaching at the high school. So I was familiar with people in the admin office, people that were interviewing me already knew who I was and what I did with SNAP and what I could do for the high school. So and how I how I just fell and integrated with the with the kids in the community itself. So sometimes uh, a little luck is a beautiful thing. Just timing, right? I mean, yeah, 100 percent. Shout out to Snap. What's what's his name? Yeah, Jonathan Snap. I, that's just a cool athletic training name. <laughs> take care wow. of you. Snap will take care of you. Nobody ever calls yeah. him by his first name. It's just Snap. Yeah. How how could you? I mean, <laughs> I, I would. I would. That would be my name, Snap. That's just cool. So, John, if you're out there, I I hope to meet you at maybe CATA or Florida. That's just yeah. A I tried. I tried getting him to go to because he teaches the sports medicine. Like I said, so I tried getting him to go to your. Uh, the thing that you had on the 12th, take some kids. And then even the competition, I mentioned that to him, like it's a good opportunity to get out there and take the kids out there. So, and hopefully he doesn't, but we'll see. We'll get to that at a later time. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But thank you very much. So Tori, I got a question specifically for you. Now you and I and uh, Joel really went through and, and Caitlin went through a lot back in, geez, was it 2020 right in the middle of everything? Yeah, we were, we were having fun all geared up, gowned up, masked up, face shielded up in a clinic, taking care of kids, trying to tape. Let's face it. It was stressful. Normal healthcare is stressful. I mean, I didn't know you for very long, but that is the most stressed I've ever seen you. 
now hold on hold on so you're saying i was stressed you're pretty stressed really wow yeah. i had no i idea. mean you had your mask on but i could tell you could tell okay um, so i didn't hide it well thanks that's good to know wonderful yeah yeah just just what i needed to hear thank you so much <laughs> i appreciate the honesty kind of knew it but i thought i hit it better than that thanks uh-oh we lost one hopefully she comes back spinning off a question because you brought it up it's a very important question at this time victoria's back tori how do you handle stress and pressure in the fast-paced healthcare environment you said it here's a seasoned veteran of 20 some odd years with a mask hiding and you could tell he's stressed. Now we're away from that. Things are a little easier. Supposedly, I'm not as stressed. I'll have to ask my current interns. They'll let me know, I guess. How do you deal with it? You just have to remember to like take care of yourself. It's hard. It really is. I mean, when I was in school, I felt way more stressed then than working now, which is kind of crazy to say. But was it a different kind of stress or similar stress? And guys, jump in on this one, too, because we all live through this one. I think it was similar. I had this kind of like, almost like a perception of like, am I going to be able to be a good AT when I was in school? And then being fresh out of it, you still had that like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, like, you just have to go home at the end of the day and like, throw all of that anxiety away, literally, and focus on either like your hobbies and plan a vacation I know ATs don't get a lot of vacation. Eli, you were talking about going Hawaii that entire time I was with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. Yeah. 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 And you Certain made me very jealous with those photos, but. Well, sorry about that. It's fine. <laughs> I, I did just going through, like, I was like, I'm going to get to this point. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to take my test. And we're just going to go from there. It just happened. You just got to throw it away. All those anxious thoughts and try to live in the moment because I know people with anxiety like I just try to think of future 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 what's going to happen and it wasn't healthy and I really had to learn how to undo that well I'm glad you did because I had no doubt in my mind you'd be good in this field so oh, keep it up okay George yeah. is not in his head and so is Victoria I'd love to hear from you guys yeah I think the uh especially going through a program you can't work right it's hard to make money going through the, the TU program. All you're doing is clinicals. That for sure takes a huge stress off when you start actually getting paid for doing what you love, right? So I think that's what kind of helps me a little bit. It's honestly more stressful for me to be in the classroom than it is to be in the clinic. How I handle it is just when I'm in the clinic, I'm in my safe place, I guess. Like this, this is mine, right? Um, it's different. I want a new sign in my training room, or excuse me, my athletic medical clinic that says safe place. <laughs> Eli's safe place. I like that. Yeah. So I, I think, I think that's where it kind of, it, the stress kind of goes away because you're doing what you love and now you're finally getting paid for it. You know, the financial stress goes away and yeah, you're there for a long time, but it's only sometimes you get the weekends off and then you get the, again, like I said, the two or one month off in the summer to take those vacations. Victoria, what about you? What was the question again? <laughs> uh, I mean about COVID and then this, so I'm a little lost. I love it. I love it. Uh, let's rephrase it. How do you handle stress and pressure in this fast-paced healthcare environment? Okay, there we go. Honestly, pretty well in the moment I feel like because I am a very like go 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 person I don't have the time to focus on the stress I'm feeling or the nerves I have until after everything's done and once I'm decompressing that's when everything hits me oh my gosh that happened okay I'm overwhelmed now and so I think for me the important part is once the day is over if it's been a stressful day decompressing at the very end whether it's you know drinking some tea or doing something for me to process what happened but in the moment typically it's a very autopilot go 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 drinking tea i was gonna say i don't think eli's ever even heard of tea no i don't no no no, no that was i, I <laughs> coffee, swear that's coffee, coffee. In the morning, I, I promise celsius during the day Wait, what time is it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's four twenty three. it's definitely coffee i promise eli i forgot you went to uh, humboldt state so did i 
Oh, did you really? <laughs> Not many people survived that. Congratulations. Oh, I did two years. I transferred there, so it wasn't the whole four. But ah, uh, yeah, I, I went in thinking it was two and had to handle four because uh, where I went to junior college, they gave me all the wrong classes. Yeah, I had a great shout out to my uh, advisors at my junior college locally. Yeah, they they really took care of me, made sure the Cal State's got four years, not two years, out of my uh, my pocketbook. So congratulations on making it out, another lumberjack. Yep. Yeah. Don't see many of us around Southern California. I would do it again if I could. Oh, me too. Love it. I'm just bummed they uh, closed the program up there. Oh, I know. That was uh, that was disappointing. Not was... many of us. Victoria feels our pain with Azusa Pacific closing just this past year. That was uh, that, that hurt. That hurt quite a few of us. That was a great program run by some great people. Same with Humboldt State when it was run by TK at the end. He did a great job with the program. We're very fortunate. Cal State Northridge is still running strong up there for Tory, so appreciate that. We have a really, really strange profession. When you sit down and actually look at it, are we sports? Are we healthcare? Are we a counselor? What the heck are we? How would you, in a quick, no more than 30 seconds, yeah, Victoria, <laughs> Victoria Kelly, excuse me, Tori, just went, her eyes just jumped out of her out of her head. How do you do that in 30 seconds? How would you describe it? How do you describe athletic training as a profession to someone when they come across you and you say, I'm an athletic trainer? Kelly, since your eyes bugged out first, Miss Tori, you go. My favorite thing to say is I get to watch sports for a living. And if you see someone run on the field to go help them, that's me. <laughs> I love you? Oh, that's what I say too. Like if you watch sports, the people that run out in khakis, that's what I do. In khakis. I love it. Love it. Khakis, throw them out there. <laughs> we, we should have as a national standard, we should be uh, sponsored by whatever khaki company, because that's all we ever wear. How about you, Victoria? Same thing. If you watch sports, you know, the person that goes out on the field when someone gets hurt, that's us. <laughs> I like to tell people, take a paramedic, a physical therapist, a nurse practitioner, a physician assistant, and squish them all together. And then you kind of get us, but then you got to throw in the psychologist too. And not just youth psychologists, but adult, because we're dealing with coaches and parents and administrators and an assistant coach and a bystander that thinks that they know everything. Yeah, it's hard to really explain our profession sometimes. I've been called a nurse before too. Yeah, last week by, by one or of Or EMT. Students. EMT. And then you have to sit there and educate, right? What do you tell them? I say, oh no, not a trainer. You have to say athletic trainer. Not a trainer. Nope, nope, nope. nope. You've got more than a weekend education. And then if they say like, oh, nurse, you, you could be like, oh, you know, I know first aid. I know CPR. I respond to emergencies like an EMT, but I assess people. I evaluate, you know, I look for signs and symptoms and I refer patients. Now, just make sure everybody out there knows we have the utmost respect for EMTs, nurses, yes. paramedics, PAs, nurse practitioners, Yes, everyone under the healthcare umbrella. We work together to take care of our patients. However, we are a special little niche, niche, however you want to pronounce it. And not a lot of people understand it. George. Yeah, no, we, we actually had a situation uh, during a water polo tournament. Uh, so me and Snap were both on sites, but I was at soccer and he was at basketball and uh, he was closer. And we see the ambulance rolling into the school and we're like, hey, like who called? Like I didn't call and I called Snap. Did you call? Did you, what's going on? Who called? So I guess a parent that was in the water polo tournament called on their own. And um, he was like, he, he was like, hey, like, why don't you call me? And she was like, well, aren't you just a sports guy? And he was just oh. like, he, he told me he just like, He's like, all right, okay. And he just went back because it wasn't even our team. It wasn't any of our parents. It was just the team that was there. So we're like, okay, just let, let them handle it then. And you're so, just a sports guy. You don't you yeah. don't know healthcare. You just yeah. do right? And bruises. Oh, he told me that. And I was like, I don't know how you just like walked away from that. <laughs> you just tape, right? That's all you do. Yeah. You know how to tape yeah. ankles and yeah, exactly. take care of boo-boos. Yeah. So I mean he could have sat there and fought it, but it's just it's I think he mentioned that the the longer you're in this profession and hearing stuff like that, it's just kind of, you just, 
Okay. Just take it and just thick skin. Thick skin. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes educating is good. And sometimes you got to know when to walk away. You got to make that snap decision, right? Is that, that's what he did. <laughs> I've been waiting for that one. That's why I got to meet this guy. <laughs> Making a yep. snap decision. <laughs> so true though. So true. And if I go back to when I was in your shoes, you know, my first year out, I remember going back every day, looking at my books because I'm old. We didn't have Google. Well, we had the internet, but it wasn't really good. Crack open a physical book and start reviewing everything I thought I knew, but didn't know. One thing I've personally noticed definitely in the last 10, 15 years is how much better the students of today, whether they were towards the end of the bachelor's programs or in the beginning of the master's programs, how much better medical knowledge you have than we did 25, 30 years ago. And it impresses me that you're able to get that. But did you feel prepared after that first day? How did you feel, George? After the first day of- That like first day of full-time athletic training, out of school, you're the guy. How did you feel at the end of that first day? It felt unreal. It felt like it was a joke. Like I, I it wasn't me. Like I wasn't the one. I wasn't the guy, right? Because especially being new, not, none of the coaches knew me, none of the students knew me. And it was just, I, it didn't feel real. It didn't feel real to me until probably after how week, maybe. Um, that's where I was like, okay, now coaches are looking to me for advice or uh, asking me for favors, things like that. So I was like, okay, now I'm kind of settled in. So it took a, it took a good maybe a week or two to fall into my uh, athletic training room for sure. And how about you, Tori? How did you feel after that first day being the clinical athletic trainer? I definitely said some words in my head I shouldn't have that you can't say out here, you know? Well, good. That's good. That, that That's a good policy. Say them in your head. It was a lot because I, I really started from scratch. The room was not set up. There wasn't an inventory. Does that make sense? Like we had all the stuff, but like, I have no idea what we have, what we don't. Now and again, going back to my sister, Anne, she doesn't know this field at all. Cause you know, she's, she's an English teacher. We'll deal with that later. Um, so when you say inventory, like what are you, you're walking in and what are you looking for that you don't have? All our tape, how you have to think about each sport has their own necessity and need and how much stuff is going to take for that like tape pre-wrap spray wrap spray scissors your kit what you're going to put in that kit your kit you know back in the day kit, kit was a car it, it had a little little thing that went back and forth and it, it was a robot that talked in a car is that what you're talking about again mm -hmm. for my sister Ange. I guess medical. it would just be a medical bag. Medical bag, medical kit. So it's your personal medical bag that has inventory to take care of the young ladies, young women, young men who get injured. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully Angie understands now. But it definitely felt like a lot. But it was also nice because I could make my own space. I could make it how I wanted to. I could make the flow of the room how I wanted to. I could set my own rules. Of, of course, you know, you learn all the rules as an intern. No shoes on the AT tables, no cleats in the room. Darn right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. But then you could also decide who can come in and who needs to go back to practice. It's dealing with a lot of the kids who want to walk in, but you know, they should be somewhere else. <laughs> that too. The AT lounge. Is that what you're talking about yeah. now? Yeah. The AT lounge. Know that well. well they'll want to use it as a nap room. Yeah, or they'll, they'll use it to skip uh, conditioning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Victoria, you've never seen that, right? Our school, never. So, Victoria, with where you're currently at in your career and knowing it's really in its infancy, I mean, you're less than a year out, looking forward into the future. I presume three, five, seven, ten years from now, you don't just want to be an assistant or how we prefer in our facility, just a clinical athletic trainer. I presume at some point you'd prefer to be the head, correct? Of course. Why? Oh, you put me on the spot here. Let's go. I would say I would want to be the head athletic trainer just because it's not necessarily I made it type of thing, but it kind of is. You know, you've worked all this time, you know, as a student, as 
just an athletic trainer and to be a head athletic trainer and really oversee what's going on for me would kind of be the big picture, the end goal type of thing. Because it's really a crucial role in the care of a young adult. It really is, at least at the high school sports setting. Victoria just said getting there is the ultimate goal. Tori, you're there right now. How does that play in your mind when you hear that? I think she's right. That was my goal too. And, you know, I made it. And now you just have to come up with other goals. Does that make sense? Totally. Definitely. I made it and I'm here. Now it's all the other challenges I've never done before. So then you learn how to do those. Yeah, I think especially... Yeah, I'm sorry. Go, V. Go go right ahead. Oh, oh yeah. I was going to say, especially in our field, it's not that it's never not. It's always changing. Something, some new research is going to come out. New interns have a new thing they learned in school. So there's never a point where we're not going to be pushing ourselves or having a new goal. Luckily, there are a lot of settings for us. You know, there's industrial, there's college, there's community college. There's so many different routes we can go if we decide, hey, I reached my goal here. Now I would like to reach the next one, wherever that may be. And George, you kind of agree with that? What do you think? I remember Tori mentioned that uh, she made the athletic training room her own, right? So being the head, you get to change it how you like. You get to do things how you like. Like For example, when I moved to Palm Springs, the kids were expected to get taped for practice, everybody. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Um, So I didn't want to go in right away and not do that, right? Because I didn't believe in that. So I gradually pulled it out, pulled it away and mentioned or educated the coaches on why we shouldn't do things like that, right? As the season went on, right? That was good for me where I was able to, to change it how I wanted to, whereas the other athletic trainer that was there, previous one, left it like that and put a lot more uh, work on her plate where I was trying to kind of ease off that. They keep mentioning, you know, the, the whole goal thing, things change. I thought I was going to retire as an athletic trainer, but going back to school, I don't know. We'll see what happens. There's, there's an end goal. It's definitely not a ceiling, you know? And Tori's nodding. She seems to agree, yeah? I love being an athletic trainer, but I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't know if I want to go back to school soon or if, you know, I want to try for other positions other than just high school. You know, I want to challenge myself. I know I can do it. Definitely. Healthcare is a challenge no matter what position you're in. Tori, since we're talking to you, what is one thing you would change if you could right now? As far as like the profession? You name it. That's a hard one. The first thing that comes to my mind is pay. But I don't. That's on a lot of people's. That. <laughs> that's actually on a lot of people's mind, especially. That's locally, a hard subject. <laughs> locally, Los Angeles County area, they just added a couple couple positions. We talked about them on our last podcast. LAUSD, they're only three quarter time, and they start at forty. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's forty six a year, and it's only ten months. And I thought it was um, thirty hours a week. 30 hours a week. Yeah. Three quarter time. That's right. And uh, I don't know if anybody else lives in LA does what we do and can survive on that little money, Yeah. but okay. So pay, I don't think anybody would argue that. I got a lot of nods. Yep. Agreed. Uh, George, what about, uh, what's one thing you would add? Uh, I would for sure add finishing the CTE credential. I still have to take four classes on that. Once I finish that, I can move over I jump over two pay scales, so I'll be making more money. Well, right now I make more money teaching than I do athletic training, so it's a little funny, right, how that works. But uh, once I move over those pay scales, it'll be be better. But since I'm at two sites at Whittier and Claremont, it's tough. So I would add that, and then add working as an athletic trainer at the site that I teach at. Victoria, what's one thing you would change if you could? the accessibility of an athletic trainer to high schools. Like, I feel like we aren't as accessible to them, especially in areas where we should be. And that's on a number of factors with, you know, the budget for the school, the pay being pretty low. So no one wants to take it or no one wants to be in areas. Preach, I would change preach. that. You're preaching to the yeah. choir right now. That's the biggest one I would change. 
I know on our last uh, our last podcast, we had a little uh, talk about that. Accessibility is, I think all three of us would agree, all, or excuse me, all four of us. We really think that athletics is a given at a school. You're going to get hurt. We know that. You see the literature. You see the numbers. It's a given. Shouldn't you have somebody there? You got a coach who's supposedly coaching you. And sometimes that's not just because they're there doesn't mean they're great. They're watching the game. They're watching the sport. They're de decreasing the liability because they have an adult. But let's face it, they're not decreasing the liability. Sometimes they're increasing the liability because of what they're doing. I got to agree with you. If you have a sports program, you should have accessibility to a clinician, someone with a little more experience and specialized in the field of sports medicine, athletic training, because most injuries happen at a, not at a game. Not on Friday night underneath the lights, not on Saturdays for a baseball game. They happen at practice, middle of the afternoon, 3.30, Tori gets that screaming call, we need you on the field, we've got a girl down, just stepped on second base and felt something snap. And you get there, and the leg's pointing the wrong direction. You're on the clock, what do you do? You know your EAP, you know what to do. And then you've got to work as a team member to pull it all together, care for that person. Now, the first time you had to do that as a new athletic trainer, Tori, what was your mindset? How, how did it how did it kick in? And I, I don't know if it was softball, football, whatever it was. It actually wasn't a sport. Really? Yeah. My what first, was it? It was, yeah, she wasn't in a sport. I wouldn't even say she was in dance. There was something going on in the gym and a girl went down. They called me in. My my room is right next to the gym. One of the volleyball coaches said, hey, um, something's going down. We're calling 911. So they were already calling before they got me, which is good. And then I showed up and this girl, she fainted. Um, she had a seizure. You just go right into it, you know, make sure her vitals are good. Make sure she's breathing. They handed me the phone that 911 was on. So I was just talking through them. It, it felt like a blur, really. After that, I, that, I was like, oh, okay. You know, like that was, that was my second month being there that that happened. And then George, you're in your situation, just like Tori was, and you're sitting there. And after the fact, you, you look back, like you said, afterwards, you kind of thinking about it because Tori said that wasn't even a sports situation, but now you got to switch gear and take care of everybody else on campus, all the student athletes, all the athletes, all the students, whomever, you've got to stay focused. How do you, how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like how she said it, it. It's a blur. It goes by super fast. You don't realize how fast they make the call and how fast you're delegating. Like you need to go this way. You need to go there. You go get the cart, whatever the case is. I need this bag. Right. So you just, you're just moving. Reflection is probably the best teacher, right? How could I have done it different? What works a lot or what worked for me is blocking the whole kind of block the whole situation, right? So this kid was, we're helping this kid out. Um, and I had all my students just kind of form a line, face the other way, don't look at it. Like, let me, let me take care of it. I got it. So that way they don't have to see that and see that they are, if they weren't ready for it, you know what I mean? So you have, you have those kids there and you're in that situation and one of them sneaks a peek. One of them always does, turns around, sees that leg pointing the other direction and Victoria that person starts to get woozy and they start to have issues. How do you control the situation? Now you have two potential patients, one with a seizure or leg pointing in the other direction, or you can see the, the bone sticking out. And now you have a bystander that's going down. How do you deal with it? Well, am I alone in this situation? What's, what's the scenario? You're on your own. Yes. On my own. An well, island I mean... unto yourself. And you have high school <laughs> students around you. First off, triage, like, of course, I'm going to handle what's in front of me and make sure that's squared away before I even start looking at the kid next to me. Once that's settled, or even if I trust maybe some of the kids around me, hey, can one of you guys just put a hand on his shoulder or her shoulder and just calm them down or make sure they can just get to the ground? I think in that moment, it's really the triage. Let me get this settled. Let me get this handle squared away. Okay, once this is good and they're on their way, activate my EAP, of course. Well, I mean, that that's a given. Like, I see the fracture and all of that, of course. Well, I mean, you're also going to call mom and dad if the kid's underage. Call mom and dad, let them know. 
And m- most um, of our high school students are underage. So yeah, activating yeah. EAP, just like you said, so important. Calling mom and dad. I, I know one of my tricks is I will have the the kid at the school actually call mom and dad so they can hear the voice. So they know they're alive. And then they say, oh, you need to talk to Mr. Halleck, which the dreaded Mr. Halleck talk. That's That scares every parent at school. If I have a kid with a fracture, he's probably prob- not they're probably not. Yeah, I'm not going to say, hey, speak to your mom really quick. Depending on the scenario, if it's that serious or if it's just like, I don't know, like a sprain and they're done for the, the end of the game or the remainder of the game. It's always, my first question is always like, hey, are your parents here? Like, yeah, they're sitting up there. Okay, which one are they? Point them out. So I could call them, bring them down, and then that way we could talk to them face-to-face. Or if it's a concussion, first thing we do is, all right, you have a concussion. Call your parents. I need to talk to your mom and dad. They need to pick you up right now. Things like that that I've learned, especially with the little kids or the uh, high school kids, is uh, call the parents, talk to the parents. I've actually had a scenario, too, where I've had to convince, or it's, it wasn't my kid, this was actually, it was a soccer game. I had two dislocations of the other team in the same game. And one of them was 18. We had to convince him to get into the ambulance because he would not go. What was his reasoning out of curiosity? He, so it was an ankle dislocation. First, it was the first one I've seen. Oh, those look pretty person. too. Everybody here seen one of those? They're they're phenomenal. I it love was them. Love textbook. Them. Like if you look up a Google photo of an ankle dislocation, that is how it looked. It was so cool. It was cool for me. The kid actually wasn't freaking out. He was sitting there in shock and was like, all right, if you pop this back in, I'm going back in. I'm not <laughs> doing that. You're going in the into the ambulance. And it was like almost kind of like a funny situation because no one was freaking out. It was just trying to convince this kid that he needs to go get a doctor to do this. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got video. I've got images right now pulled up. Yeah, I love those. Those are some of my favorite injuries to deal with. It's kind of sad, but it's true. Ten minutes after that ambulance left, I had a shoulder dislocation. And all and- from the other team. All from the other team. Their assistant principal was very nice. So he was their admin and he looked at me and he's like, I'm calling again. And then he was like, yes, sir. This is the second time I'm calling tonight. But now going back to something Victoria said earlier, access. Mm -hmm. Did the other team not have an athletic trainer or healthcare professional there? No, I talked to the assistant principal right after the second kid left. And I was like, do you have one? And he said, no, we're working on it. You know, going back and and it all kind of weaves together. You got sports, you got coaches, you got admin. Why don't you have healthcare? Nine one one is great and all, but not all of us have insurance, and that's a fifteen hundred to two thousand dollar ticket. That takes a that takes a chunk out of the old paycheck for mom and dad. When if it's something that maybe doesn't necessitate an ER ride. Any of us can say, oh, here's some crutches. But if it does, it does. I mean, when they need that ride, all four of us know and all the all two listeners we have out there know when it's a necessity, it's a necessity. We've taken up one heck of a long time of your day. So we're going to close it up right there. I'm going to say thank you to Victoria, George, and Tori. Thank you so much for joining wrap it up sports medicine and more's podcast today hopefully we can have you guys back in a few years when you're seasoned vets and we can look back at this one and uh chuckle a little bit about all of us including me at my point i'll be at the 30 year marker we'll see if we make it that far but you will be strong into the five and ten year track hopefully at that point sound good yep i'll see you guys uh cata yeah cata in uh just a couple weeks so we'll see everybody there Don't forget, they have a nice place to have a a soda or two right on the bottom floor. See you there, too. We'll see, hopefully, Kai Kugler shake his hand and everybody else. See everybody there. All right. Thanks, guys. You were were awesome today, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Want to make sure you hear every episode? Remember to like, follow, and subscribe to our podcast. 
Don't forget to share our podcast with your colleagues, family, and friends. Your support will help more people find and enjoy our content. Wrap It Up Sports Medicine and More is directed by Eli Howard. It is produced by Gabriel Howard. Our theme music is by Coma Studios via Pixabay. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the contributors. Want to know more about us? Visit us at wrapituppodcast.com. That's with one P, wrapituppodcast.com. Wrap It Up Sports Medicine and More is a production of Halleck Consulting, LLC.